As a means of escape, many people seek out the internet for both companionship and entertainment, whether that be dating apps, scrolling through Facebook, or even binging videos on YouTube. Some of you might be doing that as we speak. Others seek solace and community through online gaming. While some people find online gaming to be entertaining, it's no secret that online gaming communities can become extremely toxic environments. And in today's story, that toxicity took a very sinister turn into the real world. Easily the furthest we've ever seen anyone go over an online game. And I promise you, this one gets bad. Daniel Petri was born in Blumenau, Santa Catarina, Brazil in 1991. Although not much is known about his early life, reports indicate that Daniel lived in a rather tumultuous environment, was a rebellious youth, and had mental health issues that eventually led his parents to seek out psychiatric help for their son. However, even though Daniel wasn't able to control his aggressive behaviors and emotions, in 2007, at the age of 16, he opted to end therapy and eventually dropped out of school and soon isolated himself inside of his family home where he binged television and surfed the internet. Soon, Daniel would spend the bulk of his free time on a new online game he discovered called Tibia. Tibia is described as a two-dimensional, tile-based MMORPG with text-based elements. This stands for a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. In a nutshell, this is a genre that involves playing in virtual worlds commonly containing thousands of people. The core gameplay involves killing monsters to receive loot and gain experience to raise your levels. Although free to play, the game uses an in-game currency called Tibia Coins, which you can purchase with real-world money. These coins get you in-game content such as riding mounts, new gear, and other premium services. During character creation, players must choose between 68 different servers that vary by location, amongst other factors. As Daniel resided in Brazil, he chose a Brazilian server and eventually became acquainted with a local boy by the name of Gabriel Kuhn. Gabriel was 12 years old to Daniel's 16, and despite their age difference, the two struck up quite the friendship. And by all accounts, the two boys got along very well and played together often. Even though Gabriel's mother initially got sort of a bad vibe from Daniel, she still allowed him to visit the family home on numerous occasions. Due to the friendship and the trust that had been built between the two boys, when Gabriel asked Daniel if he could borrow 20,000 tibia coins with a promise to pay him back, Daniel was happy to lend a hand. I actually made a Tibia account for research purposes, and as of the date of this recording in 2022, the largest bundle of Tibia coins you could purchase via their website was 15,000 for a ticket price of over $500 US. I have seen some sources state that 20,000 in-game coins cost $1.75 during the time of this story, but nothing could be found supporting this on the Wayback Machine. And even though 15 years has gone by, it seems unlikely that the cost would jump that much for that figure to be correct. So if prices were actually closer to today's figure, this wasn't simply a large in-game loan that Daniel was trusting Gabriel with, but rather a hefty real-world sum for a teenager. However, eventually Daniel wanted a return on his loan, a reasonable request as he had been so generous and as we found, these coins weren't cheap. However, when he asked Gabriel to repay it, he refused. And eventually Gabriel decided to take things further and completely banned Daniel from his in-game contacts. This was a grave error made by the 12-year-old boy, and Daniel was enraged. 
On the morning of July 23rd, 2007, this unstable teenager sought revenge on his young friend that had broken his trust. But first, Daniel called his mother who was in Nova Trento, a city about an hour and a half south of his home in Blumenau, to see when she'd be home. Really, he was checking to see how much time he had. The teenager marched over to Gabriel's house at about 9.30 a.m. where the 12-year-old was home alone, and he knocked on his door under the false pretense that he just wanted to chat about their quarrel. As the boys were friends, Gabriel didn't see any reason not to open the door for Daniel, and this would be his second grave mistake. Daniel immediately shut the door behind him and began to savagely beat Gabriel with his fists. It was during this beating that Daniel dragged the crying boy over to a bed and began to violate him. After he finished the attack and he put his pants back on, Daniel laughed hysterically at the young boy, who was lying in a pool of his own blood. It was at this point a crying Gabriel made his third and final mistake. He threatened to tell his mother what had happened when she got home, and Daniel wasn't going to allow that to happen. Daniel removed Gabriel's computer power supply cable from the wall. If you have a desktop computer, you know these are thick cables. Daniel descended upon poor Gabriel and wrapped the cord around the boy's neck. The 16-year-old essayed him once more while simultaneously strangling him, which caused blood to splatter about the room. Daniel initially thought that he had killed Gabriel and immediately began to try to come up with a means to hide his body. In the hallway ceiling just above a door was a small trap door that led to an attic crawl space and Daniel surmised that, despite this being Brazil in July, where temperatures reach 80 degrees Fahrenheit, this was the perfect place to hide young Gabriel's body. But first, he was going to need a little bit of assistance getting the 12-year-old up into the crawl space. However, putting Gabriel's body up there by itself wasn't enough for Daniel. There was still more he wanted to do first in getting his revenge. This is a true crime channel, and with that being said, it's expected that some of the topics you're going to come across are especially violent and heinous. Some folks can handle some topics better than others, so on that note, the next part of our story is going to get particularly gruesome. For our more sensitive viewers, you've been warned. After lifting Gabriel's lifeless body, Daniel realized he was simply too heavy. So rather than leave the boy in his room or even do the honorable thing and call the police to admit what he'd just done, Daniel proceeded to get a knife from the kitchen and a hacksaw from the garage so that he might lighten the weight of Daniel's body by separating his legs from his torso. Keep in mind here, this is a 16-year-old boy rationalizing that mutilation was his best option. Daniel hacked away feverishly, and when he was about one or two saw pulls away from completely removing Gabriel's right leg, the 12-year-old boy regained consciousness. It turns out he was never dead in the first place. And unfortunately, given to what Gabriel was about to endure, it would have been better if he had been already dead. Upon waking up in immense pain and witnessing the horror of his live mutilation, Gabriel began screaming and crying. Daniel did not show a shred of empathy at seeing Gabriel this way. In fact, this only excited him further. Now seeing that Gabriel was still alive and could feel the pain, 
Daniel sadistically began to hack the boy in half, cruelly changing angles of the saw to try to inflict the maximum amount of pain that he could. He cut faster and faster, completely wrapped up in the thrill of what he was doing. One can only hope that in this moment, poor Gabriel went into shock. Because no matter how hard or how fast someone can cut, death by hacksaw is a horribly slow and painful way to go out. Now that Gabriel was dead and in pieces, Daniel tried once more to stuff his body into the hallway crawl space and failed at it again. Now by his own admission, he was frustrated and becoming bored at this point. So Daniel decided to pass the time carving tibia symbols into Gabriel's chest. He then left his mutilated torso by the hallway trap door and his legs down the hall along with the hacksaw for whomever would be the first to come home. And tragically, that person was Gabriel's brother. Upon discovering his body, Gabriel's brother dropped to his knees and began screaming out for his mother. The commotion drew the attention of neighbors who witnessed the gruesome scene and alerted authorities. While processing the home, police found evidence that they felt tied Daniel to Gabriel's homicide, including chat logs of the two boys arguing over Tibia. Daniel was soon arrested and admitted to the crime without hesitation and without any sign of remorse. He even went so far as to give a detailed account of every action that took place that morning and how all of it made him feel. However, Daniel left out the part about when he essayed the 12-year-old not once, but twice. And when questioned about it, flew into a rage at the officers as he felt the police were making insinuations about his orientation. However, medical examiners did conclude that Gabriel had been violated multiple times that morning. Daniel Petrie was admitted to a juvenile delinquency center and was sentenced in September of 2007 to only three years of socio-educational punishment, which was a huge miscarriage of justice for both Gabriel and his family. In the US, Daniel would have most certainly been tried as an adult and would have gotten life in prison or worse. To further add insult to injury, Gabriel's uncensored crime scene photos made their way to the internet. Daniel, who although having already killed Gabriel in cold blood, vowed to further get his revenge on the boy. When asked by Justice Peha, the judge presiding over the case if he had any words of remorse or an apology for his actions to Gabriel's family, Daniel responded in the most cold and outright ridiculous way possible. He said, and I quote, Gabriel was a coward and a thief. He burns in hell right now where I sent him. And when I die, I will find him in hell and finish my revenge." End quote. Daniel was released from prison in 2010 and has seemingly vanished from the public eye. Some folks have speculated that Daniel might have taken his own life so that he could continue his quest to torment Gabriel in the afterlife. But the more likely scenario is that he's become a shut-in and lives his life solely in the anonymity of the internet, potentially still raging in online games. If you've played online games, you've witnessed countless players hurl insults at one another and talk about exactly what they do to someone if they got their hands on them. In Daniel's case, he actually did it and went further than what the vast majority of people would be capable of doing. 
we have our own crazy and scary stories from our time playing online games when we were younger. We both played MMOs such as World of Warcraft and saw very bizarre things. For those subscribed to our Patreon, we will be uploading an episode covering that within the next week from the date of this release. A link to our Patreon is down below. In the wake of this case, many Tibia players from all over the world protested, with some even quitting the game completely due to the fact that they did not want to be associated with a platform that hosted a killer. But Tibia is not to blame for Gabriel's death. Daniel is. It is just a game after all. And between you and me, I'm far more worried about the possibility that he'll strike again.